0: You do.
1: You do. I kept your, uh, clap ouch sounds.
0: Yeah, I know. A couple times. I boosted the
1: volume, in fact.
0: I know. I've heard them. (laughs) And I deliberately was trying to hide the ouch on the last one. (laughs) (laughs) But I caught it. Um, so... I think if people have been paying attention to your Instagram uh congratulations yeah. brandon i had i have uh, i have
1: a made a baby
0: a baby is coming a baby a baby
1: a baby a baby yeah that's no, good be-be. i started working on the progeny pit already so that's good so oh. i don't have to work on it in the summer when it's gonna be warm um,
0: the progeny pit is that going to be the room that had the cat litter box in it or is it going to be... I'm going to assume it's that one,
1: right? Yeah, it's that one. It's that one. That's why i are calling the nursery, because it sounds more metal than nursery. It's the, the progeny pit.
0: It also has it also has um, alliteration, which is always good.
1: Yep, I love some good alliteration.
0: Um, not going to lie, alliteration was part of the reason why I messaged my current girlfriend for the first time. Um, <laughs> so I'm always a fan of alliteration. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, congratulations.
1: Yeah. Why, well, thank you. Um, I was telling you before, I haven't had a reasonably cooked steak in months. And then yeah, you said, no. why not just buy two steaks? And then I was like, go away, John.
0: Well, Nobody and, asked and, you.
1: And,
0: well, Brandon, and then you told me what your, what your wife said, which is, why don't you just cut the steak when uh, it's at the, 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 the temperature you like? And you just say, No.
1: Yeah, I'm just like, no, what? that's too much work. Cut it in half when it's how I like it and leave yeah. your half on for a little bit longer.
0: Huh. But, like, that's that's huh. so easy. That's, like, Brandon, that's, that's bare minimum. Like, that's pretty, I pretty much do that when I work on a steak anyways because I'll do a cut into the steak to verify that it has the correct redness. And then, like, all you just have to do is cut it a little bit longer. Like, a little bit. A little bit.
1: Yeah, Someone would say, like, maybe how I like it, you cut that part off, and by the time it's done, resting hers is done. Or I could just be, leave it all on. That's how I, 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 that's how I roll.
0: I can't really argue with your laziness, though, because, like, I definitely would do the same thing. Yeah. I would just accept fate. But I mean it's But at the same time You're also not like Saving yourself any work Because you ultimately Need to cut it In half anyways At the end
1: Yeah Oh if so, you want like, to talk About accepting fate I just purchased A second pair Of big pants
0: Oh no Brandon
1: A second pair It's
0: It's, it's all downhill From here <laughs> It's you know all that. downhill Yeah it, it's, it's It's It just keeps going From here now
1: Oh I hope not
0: You've set You've set the wheels In motion Once you've once you've accepted the big pants the, the the bigger pants, that's that's the moment. Yeah, I
1: accepted the bigger pants. I had my um my my routine uh, physical uh, two days ago, and uh, my doctor was like, "Oh, do you have any questions?" I brought up some different things that I noticed about me that I never brought up before, and um pretty much got told, like, yeah. That's that's just your life now. You're. You're, uh, it's called aging.
0: <laughs> I refuse, I have not gone to the doctor in, like, four years now at this point. <laughs> oh, um,
1: that means you don't have a doctor, by the way. I know, I know, okay. I know that means I don't have a doctor.
0: <laughs> uh And part of that is because the last time I went to a doctor, they literally, like, just shoved me off when I was in crisis mode. So, um... I don't want a doctor right now. I'm a little mad at doctors.
1: Just get a different doctor. There, there, That's you true. You can shop around.
0: Also, like, I don't feel like spending money on doctors, and I don't really have good insurance right now. I have Fair. I have I have PhD student insurance, which is like just a hair above no insurance. Yeah, well, the
1: rule is, like, you go to the doctor and just know every time you go, it's 30 bucks. But then anytime they suggest you do anything, decline. Because that's going to cost you a lot more.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: That's basically what I did this time. They're like, yeah, so, like, you already had all the stuff done. And all your blood work looks fine for, like, what we normally look for. So you can, if you want, you can opt. For, you can do this. We can stand out there for, for this thing. It's like, no. <laughs> just, no. So...
0: So, what happened to me? I don't know if I've ever told this story. Um, I woke up with a strange pain that required me to go to a urologist.
1: Always fun. Okay.
0: Um, because, like, well, what a- ended up happening was I went to my primary care doctor. Wait, no, no, I skipped my primary care doctor. I went straight to the urologist because I didn't feel like going through them. Um, because I was just going to go there anyways, and it would basically be me driving into New Paltz and driving to Poughkeepsie. And that's uh, just – I don't feel that's like doing that. too much. That. I don't feel like doing that back and forth. So I just went into – I I was just like, I'm just going to go to the urologist. Yeah. Because um, I already had them as an established urologist, yada, yada, yada. Um, so I go there. They do the routine check, and then they're like, well, let's do – um." Let's do a scan. I think they have like an MRI. No, they don't have an MRI machine. They have like a CAT scan machine or something. Yeah. Um and they did it and it was nothing ultimately. There was no no problems, but like you kind of have to get that checked out because if you don't, bad stuff can happen. This yeah. is this is this is a public service announcement to anyone who has the particular configuration of genitals that I have. Get Um, your bits looked at If you feel pain in your bits Get them checked out It's usually a good idea Mm -hmm. Um, Because unlike certain other bits Of your body When those bits have pain That's usually a problematic thing There's an episode of the Venture Brothers about it Just take a watch (laughs) of it Um, I don't remember the name of the episode Precisely But it's an episode Um, so I ended up getting the bill and it was for like a grand.
1: Sounds about right.
0: Because, uh, my, my insurance declined to pay for the procedure and I got a message for them as they were starting the procedure and I couldn't stop it.
1: That's always fun. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. We got a $600 bill from, cause she had a, Erica had to walk around a traffic cone in the hospital hallway. And uh, with insurance, that shit's six hundred dollars to be observed walking around a cone. And then it's another hundred dollars to have somebody review the paperwork of the person that was watching her walk around the cone. So that's seven hundred dollars.
0: Medical medical billing is criminal in America. It is yeah,
1: long it's crazy. Like they, they, it was like an it, it was a to wa- it was an eight minute walk around traffic cones in a hallway. <laughs> that shit was oh, so much money.
0: I, I hope you're ready for, uh, for the, the crimes against your wallet that are going to happen soon.
1: Oh, the most expensive thing I ever saw uh, uh, saw was um, looking at uh, baby stuff. The hospital in which we're going to go to offers private, they, they literally offer private suites. And nothing okay. sounds more expensive to me than a, ho- a hospital using hotel language. I didn't look at the price, but she mentioned private suites, and I was just like, nope. I was like, don't even
0: get comfortable. We're not, like, we're not. You're getting the fuck out of there. Yeah. Yeah. We're bringing our own ibuprofen and Tylenol.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, there's a bench outside. We're going to have the doctor come out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they have, like, private suites and all this different spa shit. And I was like, no. Jesus Christ. No. No. Hospitals oh, should not have spas. Oh my god!
0: Uh, Jesus.
1: <laughs> and she agreed. By the way, we we've been doing dealing with this shit forever. So,
0: here, ha- this is this is your stick.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bite. Yeah. No, no, I'm not. I'm not that bad. I'm, I'm no, anti-private hospital suite.
0: <laughs> uh, no, I know. I'm I'm
1: with the accommodations is, for two people. By the way,
0: really? Yeah, so that huh. like
1: I could also spend nights there.
0: That's I like, interesting. I don't
1: intend to spend nights there. Like I'm gonna be yeah. there until until we can leave.
0: Yeah, that's fair. That's 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 totally reasonable. Um, but I will accept. Like
1: I've I've I went to college. I passed out on plenty of floors. I, uh, I- I'll curl up on a floor. <laughs> No problem. Yeah,
0: I I have a real serious problem in which I don't... um, I don't like going to hospitals. I don't either. Uh, they make me feel really uncomfortable and, like, constantly, like, fearful. Um, I, part of it is because when I was a kid, I was in hospitals a lot for various surgeries, and, like, I have bad memory associations with that, but, like... Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of hospitals, as a rule. Um, the smell's bad, and it just... It reminds me that I have mortality, and I don't want that.
1: <laughs> I spend most of my life trying to avoid thinking of the thought that life is finite.
0: Yeah, no. I mean, it makes life worth it, but at the same time, like you don't want to think about it. Nope. Um, and on that wonderful note, Brandon... Yes. I think it's time to start this week's episode.
1: Oh, man.
0: Um, So there's that whole thing that Brandon reads on his episodes. Listen to an odd number episode to hear it. Uh, I'm John.
1: I'm Brandon.
0: And, and Brandon, this week. Yes. This week, I have a truly wonderful episode for you. Um, I'm going to just get out in front of it right now and tell you. It is part one of a two-week of a two-part episode, yes. because I hit ten pages and I didn't even get out of the first three sightings. Oh lord! Um, so it was first recorded and described by a European in 1909. Okay, its taxonomy is sauropod, and its region is Congo River Basin
1: rope I'm googling saropod.
0: Okay, okay, Do What is this cryptid?
1: Um, uh, Memble, I think, but Dino, correct. the Congo you Dino.
0: You are correct, Brandon.
1: That was in some of my uh, favorite books from the Scholastic Book Fair. When you open the things and they got all the things in there.
0: Yeah, it's one of my least favorite cryptids.
1: I'm excited.
0: Um, and not because of what it is, but because of the story surrounding. Um, and you know what the worst part is, Brandon? Yeah? I don't even get to those stories yet in this episode. <laughs> I'm pre-1950s in this episode. Brandon, there is a whole half century and more of shit that I haven't covered about this cryptid and young <laughs> earth creationists. I so knew that's like, where it had to go. So, like, Brandon, this episode, this episode. This two-parter is gonna be fucking wild. It makes the roping look respectful. Oh, of culture! It makes nice. it makes that whole thing look like even remotely okay. Is how bad this one is. Okay? Sounds juicy. Cause, like, Brandon, this is Central Africa and it starts in 1900. I edited one of the quotes because I didn't feel like saying the n-word. <laughs> so, get ready because it's time. And I haven't talked about a dinosaur cryptid in well over a year because we all know what happened the last time I talked about one. Um and yeah, that was episode Clay,
1: 16, called John yells for an hour.
0: <laughs> what, really? It was that it long It was ago? episode 16. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I kind of avoided dinosaur cryptids deliberately. Because um, I like dinosaurs. I like dinosaurs a lot. I have all the Dinobots multiple times. I've got more, mount mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Megazords than I can count. I literally have a T-Rex sitting on my, on my desk right here next to me that I used for a D&D campaign. I made a DD like sub module <laughs> about Jurassic Park. Brandon, I love dinosaurs. So
1: So tell me why you love Mokile Membe.
0: I hate Mokile Membe.
1: Your favorite cryptid. Mokole
0: Membe. Um so this is one of the things that I knew I was eventually going to have to cover for this podcast. This is up there with Nessie. This is up there with the Jersey Devil. Um, and, you know, all the, like, big dudes. And, like, I still need... We still need to do the the introduction to Bigfoot. Like, the initial Bigfoot. We've covered Bigfoot on this podcast, but we've never covered, like, Bigfoot's origin story.
1: Yeah, it's... Uh, he was left in a, a... A thing in front of a firehouse.
0: I'm gonna just say that that's... In- Entirely incorrect, but I'm going to move on from it. Okay. So, Mokile Membe, and if I get that that pronunciation wrong, sorry, I'm not even sure if that's a real word is the problem. Okay? Like, I don't know if this is a total fabrication, the name itself. That's how fucked up this story is, <laughs> Okay? I would say so it's entirely
1: it's, possible. It's wholly made up.
0: Yes. Yes. So it's a water dwelling sauropod whose name apparently means one who stops the flow of rivers. Now, Brandon. Yes. I'm not sure if that's correct. <laughs> at all. That's just what people say the name is. The say the name means. It's in yeah. the Lingala language. That's the language of the, uh, the Bantu people who reside in the Congo River Basin alongside of um, the people of the forest, which is the name I'm going to use instead of pygmies, because I feel like that's a very, like, not okay term to use. Yeah, personally, because um, it's also like super derisive because they're short and like, no, fuck that. I'm going to call them the people of the forest, which surprisingly, I don't think that they make that many appearances in the story. Um, Even though they're the population that was most endemic, like, from that region.
1: (sighs) (laughs) I just see you preparing yourself.
0: So, like I said, not sure if this, like, like, every part of this story is in huge, like, scare quotes. Because, like... I found books that say that these things were said. I found articles that say these things were said. It's a part of the lore around Mokile Membe. Mokule Membe, whatever. Um, but I don't know how much of this is remotely true. <laughs> And when I say true, I don't mean that the cryptid exists. Because I don't think the cryptid fucking exists. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Okay? Because I...
1: But can you prove it doesn't?
0: No, but I don't think it does. Now, I don't know if any of these fucking stories are true in any way, shape, or form. There's only one that I really dug into, and that's like the last, like... Thirty minutes of this episode, Brandon. <laughs> so, before I get into this descent into madness, let's talk about the Congo River Basin.
1: I like the Congo River Basin.
0: It's pretty cool. Um, it's a lot ecologically, really like dope. Uh, it's located in Central Africa. It's about three point seven million square kilometers, or one point four million square miles, which is like near five times the size of Texas and three times the size of Alaska, I believe. Um, now that I'm saying that out loud, I need to verify those numbers because, um, I think I might've accidentally compared kilometers against square miles, but still regardless, it's bigger than Alaska or Texas. Texas. Um, the region, as I said, is absolutely massive and it reminds me how terrible the Mercator projection is and how like racist, uh, like how like it's incredibly racist. When you think about it, like it, it wasn't try. I don't think it was trying to be racist, but it makes Africa and South America look like they're nothing.
1: Yeah. It, it wasn't trying to do anything, but it, it like wildly changed the perceived size of land. <laughs> yeah, it,
0: it's, it's really affected how valuable we view particular portions of land. And it's super problematic. People just use globes. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm going to say. Just use fucking globes. I don't care about maps. Get them. Get that shit out of here. Just use a globe. It's a globe. What do you have against um,
1: cartography?
0: I have a problem against the Mercator projection. It's a bad projection. Um, I like the ones that have, like, the, the, the like, circles, because it's, like, effectively a globe, just, like, the printout of the oh, globe, the, like, laid The out. little, yeah, little I like m- that McDonald's one. cuts? because it's it's less of a um it's less it's not a projection it's like literally closer to it but that's yeah so what's your opinion map talk.
1: about maps missing new zealand you made a very confused face so there's Wait, a shit ton of thing there's a shit ton of maps that just don't include new zealand at all <laughs> Just, just Google that
0: Google Google already auto. There's a Reddit for it. Maps <laughs> New Zealand. Wow, that's a that's a whole fucking thing.
1: Yeah, we're we're very bad at map.
0: Yeah, well, I could have told you that. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> what is this map? What is this map? Who, who in their fucking right mind drew this map? Bunting's Map of the World, circa 1580. Brandon, 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 this map is the worst map I've ever seen in my life.
1: <laughs> Let's see. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That's, that's a good one. Map.
0: That's a bad map. Um. Wow, that's really bizarre. <laughs> New Zealand is in Africa, right? <laughs> okay um that's so far beyond what we're, we're talking about but god i hate that that's a thing that's terrible mm-hmm. um maps so um you might know this and i might have brought this brought this up on the podcast before but maps are really closely tied to my phd to like a disgusting degree um like maps are very important um because they help us negotiate space and understand what's going on around us um i i personally am studying things as they relate to location-based games and um locative apps which is a slightly different thing but like they're kind of modern maps like like you know Paper maps. It's just yeah. different. It's a different. But thing. those
1: apps, those applications, are not available if you live in New Zealand. Oddly enough,
0: <laughs> I was in the middle of about. I was in the middle of trying to explain something academic, actually academically valuable for this podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but I'm gonna stop now. Okay. <laughs> um, because I'm already I'm already at my limit. Like researching this topic has already put me to my insanity limit. Um, and after this, I'm probably going to have to just take a nice long drive with the windows slightly cracked just to kind of, you know, cool off this just manic energy that this is giving me. It is um, nice outside. It is nice. It is nice. I might even ride my bike. I'm not sure. We'll find out. So uh, matching its huge size, the region contains either partially or wholly 10 countries. And Angolan,
1: Angola, Angola, Angola,
0: Angola, Gabon, Burundi, Cameroon, Central African Republic, Dominican, the, the Dominican Democratic Republic of the Congo, Rwanda, Tanzania, and Zambia. So, oh wait, that's nine. Did I miss
1: one? <laughs> <Angola>. <laughs> counting alive.
0: I, I I missed I missed one mm. on that list. So there's another one that. I must have not written down. So it's either 9 or 10, which now I'm going to look. To <laughs> really because I can't believe I missed one. Uh, well, I can because I'm bad at writing down maps. Things can believe in uh,
1: many things. let
0: Oh, Republic of the Congo. I left the Republic of the Congo off. Oh, uh. Which is distinct from De- the Democratic,
1: Democratic Republic of Congo. Of Congo? Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. Um. Wait. Does it still exist? I I ha- I have to look these things up because like the problem is um. Like. Central Africa especially is just a nightmare in terms of like countries' existence because the Europeans did terrible things to Africa, um, in terms of like. Like everything, like everything, awful. We did many awful. of the bad things. It, 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 bad, just bad in every conceivable way. Um, so the Congo Basin is the sedimentary basin of the Congo River, which, in simple terms, they're regions that move a bunch of sediment that eventually form sedimentary rock. So, like, it's it's like an accelerated watershed in a sense okay it's like a it's like a watershed with rocks effectively um everybody likes so, rocks yeah, that's true they rock um,
1: no <laughs> no
0: uh that's also kind of important because uh that means that there should be a fairly prominent fossil record in that region and like 'cause sedimentary rock is the most is is where fossils are found and stuff like that, which will probably come up later in the episode in part two. Not in part one, because part one doesn't even get to fucking modern science, Brandon. <laughs> um, so uh, some of the Earth's largest undisturbed rainforests are found in this region, making it home to the Okapi, western lowland gorillas, bonobo, and a plethora of other animals. To many believers that in this week's cryptid, this is evidence in support of prehistoric animal living in the region, which, to their credit, and this is the only credit I'm going to give them in this two-part series, uh yeah. There are undiscovered species in the Congo River basin. Yep. One of the one of the expeditions we're going to talk about in the future found a form of green algae that was new, a new species of green algae, which is cool. But uh it's really unlikely that they're fauna or macrofauna, like macrofauna especially. Yeah. Anything bigger than a anything bigger than a mouse or a fruit bat I'm going to assume is not going to be an undiscovered species
1: yeah uh, i mean the, the most common i think i mentioned this before um discovery it's of awesome. of new uh species are um what we thought were color morphs or just uh an existing species where one just happened to be differently colored and it turns out no that color morph is actually an entirely different species also you didn't know, mention that bonobos like to fuck
0: they really do that is true
1: he, that, did that's you, did the you have, first thing I learned in school about them.
0: Were you made to watch Humansy?
1: Yes, I watched Humansy.
0: Yeah, that's a weird movie. Yeah, it's weird that it's weird that they made us watch that in school.
1: I don't know if I. I know I watched it not in school, but I don't recall having watched it in school.
0: We had to watch it. I had to watch a part of it at least in school. It was. It was weird.
1: I miss watching stuff in school. What I want to get for the house is uh, a big CRT TV that I can strap onto a rolling cart with straps going over the top.
0: I was about to ask you if that's what you wanted to do.
1: I miss those so much. And the projectors where you have to, like, write on the clear plastic sheet and slide it on top.
0: We watched Shrek. Fucking sweet. (laughs) (laughs) It just has a copy of Shrek stuck in it, like, lodged in it. Mm Mm-hmm. It's the only thing you can watch ever. Are well, you going to watch VHS the new copy. new
1: new Shrek in 3D? What? Next month it, it's hitting theaters. Well, and if you have HBO Max, you can watch it. If, if, if you need a 3D TV, though. Or you can watch is it in it, 2D, I guess.
0: Is it the original Shrek or is it a new no, Shrek? No, it's a new Shrek. Okay.
1: <laughs> okay. That's... You sound sad, which you shouldn't be because I just lied to you.
0: Okay, I was about to say it's yeah. like one 3D TVs don't exist anymore. Uh no one's making home media because
1: releases. nobody wants 3D. Actually, there's a who is it? I saw a bunch of YouTube ads for a new 3D monitor that they were pitching for um like YouTubers and I was like, "Why? These have already failed."
0: Nobody wants that. Like nobody honestly, wants that. we've we've actually bypassed 3D and moved straight to VR. Yeah. Cuz because the thing is, 3D was effectively a stopgap to VR. Yeah. So... Okay, whatever. Um, anywho, I would also be remiss if I didn't also mention that the region was fully colonized by Belgium, France, and Portugal in the 19th century, which is extremely critical. Um... Because I have a feeling it has something to do with the origins of this story that Which I'm not even sense. getting into this week. I have a hypothesis for what uh Mokile Membe is, at least the ones that the Europeans describe. And uh spoiler alert, I have a strong suspicion it's fucking with the asshole white people who are who are dominating our area for no good fucking reason. <laughs> Um, cause that's effectively what the Yeti is. It's a mm-hmm. fuck you white people. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, I-, I think, I think we underestimate how much, how likely those types of stories are in history where it's just like a, we purposely trained him poorly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a very, uh, call it um, Kung Pao Enter the Fist. movie. Yes. Um, I miss
1: that movie. I just watched Kung Fu Hustle the other day.
0: That's that's a good movie. That's an actually well-done movie. Stephen Chow. Um, yep. It's a lot slower than... It's a lot like more classically structured as a movie and a lot slower than Kung Chow yep. though. Um, but Stephen Chow films are generally like that. Yeah. Uh, they they very heavily rely on the hero's journey and frequently pre- um. Uh, pre like the mermaid, they featured Stephen Chow as like the main character. Yeah. So, um, but they're pretty good in general. I think they're fairly funny movies. Yeah, they're good. Um, and it just really, Jalen is pretty good.
1: He's good. And Bruce Lung was the, um, the played the beast in the movie. Like that older guy who did like the frog style stuff. But I didn't realize he was, I didn't realize that Bruce Lung. He was like back in the day when like, Kung Fu movies were like big as L E U N G. If you're looking for it, it was him, uh, Bruce Lung, Bruce Lee, and Jackie Chan were like the three big names when that style of movie was big. I was, I was, and about then he kind this. of so, fell off the map. Or and then I, so if he looks familiar, or I mean, I didn't recognize him, but I was like, oh damn, that's him. When I figured it out,
0: I caught myself from saying something really ignorant, and I'm not gonna even mention it. Okay. <laughs> Outside of that, so oh yeah, him. Okay. Yeah,
1: I was like, damn, he, that's that guy.
0: I love um, that guy. So Brandon, it's time to get to the fucking monkey.
1: Let's get to the monkey. It's in. Give me Brandon, the monkey, John. Get ready? I-, I want your get, monkey.
0: Get fucking ready for this shit. <laughs> Give me. I'm so cover- much.
1: I'm covering myself in Vaseline.
0: This is gonna be a long ass episode. I'm just saying that at the top. I'm sorry. It's a long ass episode because there's a lot. There's a lot. And I feel like I feel like these are the episodes that people like where I'm just upset the whole episode. So guess what? This is the episode you're getting. You ask for it for months, for years even. You're getting it. <laughs> and it's gonna be long. Cause if I have to be angry, you're gonna suffer. Um So much like its distant cousin, the Loch Ness Monster, Western knowledge of Mokile Membe has its roots in the early 1900s. The earliest account of Mokile Membe can be found in Carl Hagenbeck's 1909 book, Beasts and Men, Being Carl Hagenbeck's Experience for Half a Century Among Wild Animals. That's the full title. Really, it's Beasts and Men, and then the other stuff is a subtitle, but I wanted to read the whole thing because guess what? Uh... (laughs) So, thankfully, the book is fully in the public domain, so I can reproduce the section whole cloth for this episode. And I just spit all over my monitor saying cloth. Um, Please know know that the language in this section is not my own, even though I've already edited it. Uh, But those of an individual who I don't respect in any way, shape, or fucking form. Some years ago, I received reports from two quite distinct sources of the existence of an immense and wholly unknown animal said to inhabit the interior of Rhodesia. Almost identical stories reached me. Firstly, through one of my own travelers, and secondly, through an English gentleman who had been shooting big game in Central Africa. The reports were thus quite independent of each other, And, as a matter of fact, the Englishmen and my traveler had made their way into Rhodesia from opposite directions, one from the northeast and the other from the southwest. The natives, it seemed, had told both my informants that, that in the depth of great swamps there dwelt a huge monster, half elephant, half dragon. This, however, is not the only evidence of the existence of the animal. It is now several decades ago since Menges, who of course is perfectly reliable, heard a precisely similar story. Um, and this is the part that I had to cut out because it uses the m word it, it uses an N-word that I don't want to use on the podcast. Uh, and still more re- remarkable, on the walls of certain caverns in Central Africa, there are to be found actual drawings of the Strange creature. I feel like... I, I, I was very conflicted about whether I wanted to remove that or not mm-hmm. um, because I don't want to say it. But, like, I do want to draw attention to the fact that this man was using uh, yeah. stuff because, like, I don't want to erase the fact that that historically happened. And, like, don't get me wrong, I'm about to tear this dude a new one. um, But I chose not to say it for the sake of not wanting to say it. Which might be a mealy way of doing it. I thought about, I thought about uh, Dave Anthony on the dollop. Yeah. Um, I just don't have Dave Anthony's confidence. Okay. <laughs> and, like, willingness to commit to, like, saying things. Um, so, yeah. Uh, from what I heard of the animal, it seems to me that it can only be some kind of dinosaur. Seemingly akin to the brontosaurus. As the stories from so many different sources, and all tend to substantiate each other, I am almost convinced that some such reptile must still be in existence. At great expense, therefore, I sent in an expedition to find the monster. But unfortunately, they were compelled to return home without finding fine proof of anything, either one way or the other. In the part of Africa where the animals animal is said to exist, there are enormous swamps, hundreds of square miles, and extant. And my travelers were laid low with very severe attacks of fever. Moreover, that region is infested by bloodthirsty savages who repeatedly attack the expedition and hindered its advance. Notwithstanding this failure, I have not relinquished the hope of being present being able to present the science with indisputable evidence of the existence of the monster. And perhaps if I succeeded in the enterprise, naturalists all over the world would be roused to hunt vigorously for the other unknown animals. For if this prodigious dinosaur, which supposedly is supposed to have been extinct for hundreds of thousands of years, be still in existence, what other wonders might not be brought to light?
1: So... Not to say that he had some uh, flaws in his research, but I'm pretty sure the Brontosaurus isn't a real dinosaur. Um, And he's thinking Apatosaurus, because wasn't Brontosaurus the one made up during the Bone Wars?
0: uh, It's more complicated than that, actually. Oh, fun. Brontosaurus might actually be a species of dinosaur. I I was reading the research on it because I was going to call that out. And it's really confusing. It, it's it's super confusing. Um, because, like, I think in 2015, somebody said that it was another... Like, it was a part of a jeet, like, its own species. Because it was originally a subspecies of Apatosaurus. Well, it was originally its own species. Then it got changed into being a subspecies. And now it's back to potentially being its own species. Although, I don't know if it's necessarily the same skeletal structure... And bone structure, it might just be that they named it Brontosaurus for the sake of, like, bringing that creature back into existence. I I don't, I don't, I don't know, Brandon. It's not (laughs) my area of science, and it's super hard for me to follow, and I'm not even going to even remotely begin to unpack that. Okay. Um, but also, uh, you can't, that's one thing I won't critique him for, because, um... Modern science at the time did believe that Brontosaurus was a real creature, regardless of its status as a real one or not now. Okay. Yeah. So it wasn't like, like everyone kind of believed that it was real. So it's not one of those situations where, um, like there was a, that like real scientists didn't think it was real. Real scientists thought it was real. So, um, The description he gives is incredibly basic. The creature is described as being half elephant and half dragon, and then compared to the brontosaurus, which, as I mentioned and you mentioned, is a contentious animal. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Carl focuses more on the surrounding story than the actual creature, which makes sense given he himself hasn't seen the creature. However, the account is practically a footnote in, in a larger book. Interestingly, his account doesn't really differ all that much from modern appeals to cryptids existing. In fact, if we were playing cryptid bingo, I'd be walking home with an electric blanket on this one. Um, because the first account is in a region that isn't remotely close to the area where the creature is famous for. Seriously, Brandon, Rhodesia is modern-day Zimbabwe, which is approximately one Zambia away from the Congo River (laughs) basin. Uh... Second, the, uh, the description uh, of the creature is vaguely specific. Carl provides no meaningful description of the attributes, but synthesizes it to be a brontosaurus for the reader, which is kind of a hallmark of most cryptid sightings, as it's like, oh, it's this thing. Um, I don't give you any evidence that it's this thing, but it's this thing, believe me. Uh, then there's an appeal to tradition as he claims that the creature which hasn't been sufficiently described has appeared in cave paintings of the region so it's like you know mm. oh well the people the locals say it exists yeah um, look at these pictures they exist yada 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 it's that's a super common thing it kind of goes back to mantis man as well
1: yeah here's a petro petroglyph that I'll use to affirm my own statement
0: exactly um additionally he makes the off-repeated argument. Look at how large the swamp the Aryan swamps are. Couldn't you imagine something like this living here? Ah, um, no I, one
1: would ever use that argument for anything ever.
0: Which is always used. Um which I will give him a bit of credit on this one. Um I don't think he's he's not so at that time you didn't have satellites. No. So like Nobody really knew how big that area was or what the fuck was in it who was european The people who lived there knew what it was what was in it but not the fucking assholes who were conquering it Um and the last free space on my bingo card was a white guy taking control of a situation he really didn't need to which is pretty much every cryptid story
1: Yeah what's the ele- I was confused by the electric blanket I, I don't is that like a prize you get when you win bingo and-
0: yeah, like, it was it was a joke, like, because it's usually, like, at a old folks home, so, like, they have an <laughs> electric blanket, and, like, they like it because it's warm.
1: Old people are like cats. They like warm things.
0: I mean, I like warm things, so, like, it kind of would work for me, too. There's, I have an electric it,
1: blanket if you want one.
0: No, I don't, because I, I actually am scared of electric blankets for, like, uh, overheating reasons. Okay. <laughs> I, I have I have really bizarre fears, like that are grounded in the idea of things catching fire. Fire is basically my one true fear. If I'm going to be completely honest with you.
1: Yeah, you and Frankenstein.
0: Yeah, this I'm, monster. I might, I might be Frankenstein's monster.
1: You might. That would make that answer a lot of questions. Actually,
0: it would answer a lot of questions. Yeah. Like my ability to freak, speak French, which I'm not going to to show you right now.
1: Frankenstein's okay. monster for oh, French. Did he speak French?
0: Yeah, in the book, he spoke French.
1: Mary Shelley, you you're crazy.
0: Ah, uh, no, not really, because the idea was he was like hyper intelligent. Like, um, I think oh. I think the real horror of Frankenstein's monster was like the idea that he would replace humanity as well, because he was just a better form of human. Yeah, effectively. Um. So yeah. Now. On to Karl Hagenbeck, Hagenbeck himself. He's a problematic historical figure, as all like as most white people are in this generation, particularly white explorers. He's incredibly <laughs> problematic.
1: White explorers have never done anything wrong ever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he's hailed for being the father of the modern zoo, which is already there. You go, <laughs> kind of, kind of already a uh, a strike in the problematic column for him. Yeah. Um, also, the I cause have...
1: for some cryptid sightings is animals escaping zoos.
0: Yeah. So I have like, I have t. is two types of zoos in my book. Um, the Bronx Zoo, which is okay. Mainly because it promotes conservation, and if it's rehabilitatory and all that kind of stuff, I'm okay with it. Um, Actually, I'm going to amend it. There's three zoos. Bronx Zoo-type zoos that do conservation. Uh, Local zoos that are, like, local fauna, right? That they're keeping. Yeah. Like, like usually domesticated animals. If it's just Mm -hmm. domesticated animals, that's fine, because it's not like they're suffering in any way, typically. Um, Effectively, it's a farm. Really, at the end of the day, um, and then there's Tiger King zoos, which I are basically every other zoo, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so I, I, zoos and me have a weird relationship. Effectively, I, I'm just not I'm a zoo fan. Say. I so I, I like being able to see animals, but like I'm also super deeply conflicted by it because it's like, well, so. It's like, difficult because, so certain animals' habitats have been destroyed by humanity, right? Yeah. And, like, ethically speaking, I don't want those species to go extinct, and zoos are kind of the only way they can avoid being extinctified. Yeah, but, like,
1: if they provide the right things. Like, the, the th- kind of zoos I don't like is the zoo—I just bumped my mic. Second time this episode. Um, like, the zoo by my house. If you know the where that is, the one um, by where yeah, there's like the one. stadium, and all that, or they yeah, just yeah. have like a cow in like a cage the size of this office,
0: <laughs> like that's yeah, that that's not that's, cool. That's rough. That's a rough one too. <laughs> like
1: that, uh, it's like that. That that zoo is just filled with like animals in <laughs> cages the size of a room, and they're all bigger than me. <laughs> and I'm like, that doesn't seem cool.
0: It's it's pro- it's all problematic, Brandon. Yeah, it's all problematic. <laughs> but he's even more problematic. Okay.
1: Oh yeah, I believe it. Um.
0: So, I guess in a slight pro column for him, though, he was the one who made the open habitats like a thing. Um. The open habitats was, are cool. It was named the Hagenback Revolution. Hagenback Revolution. Um. But he's overall an absolute jerk, right? Like. What he did was a ba- basically make zoos more palatable to people, which, in its own right, is kind of fucked. You know, like it, there's layers of fuckedness to this. is yeah. what I'm going to say. He's it's, like it's a, a fucked onion a fuck stack. It's a, it's a fuck, fuck shit, shit oh, stack. Oh, deep cut. Fuck shit stack
1: for sure. He's a fuck lasagna.
0: So he was a wild animal merchant. Cool. Who sold exotic animals to European zoos and cryptopedia favorite P.T. Barnum.
1: <laughs> also so never already, did anything wrong.
0: <laughs> I already hate him ju- like I when I found that out, I hated him outright for that reason alone. Worse, however, he was uh something known as an ethnography showman. Now, Brandon. That's exactly as disgusting as it sounds if you know what ethnography means.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm going to say these sentences, great transition to my episode coming up. (laughs) Really? Uh, It's another grab bag, so the third one is... Oh,
0: God. (laughs) So, now, ethnography is like cultural study, right?
1: It's the showman bit. Yeah, <laughs> the showman it's the bit. the
0: showman bit. That's the problem there, especially. Um, because these people aren't choosing to share their culture. And he would display living humans next to zoo animals as an exhibit of savages in a natural state. Which I didn't even mention the fact that he used the term bloodthirsty savages in his write-up of the Mokile Membe, which he didn't name, by the way. Yeah. Um, which is really just a a shitty white European at the turn of the century saying, "Yeah, people weren't happy that we were like intruding on their land, so we're just gonna yeah. call them savages." They're
1: they're not bloodthirsty. They're pissed off because you're fucking up their whole thing.
0: Yeah, it's like if I walked onto your property and took a shit on it.
1: Um, they're I not mean,
0: bloodthirsty.
1: That could be good content.
0: That. <laughs> i mean it might be good content but like a lot of people would be pissed off i guess they i guess
1: primarily my neighbors maybe
0: maybe bloodthirsty would be the correct term but not because the person is bloodthirsty by their own merits but because you just did something that pissed them off enough that they want to kill you
1: yeah it's the european guy kidnapping all your shit and be like this mine now
0: yeah pretty much pretty much so uh fuck him fuck him fuck him um, luckily, he died. I mean, obviously he's dead because it's 1909, but he died in a violent way. April oh. 14th, 1913, to a snake bite from a boom slang. An animal that had literally no business being in Germany because it's from, like, South Africa.
1: That sounds like a cryptid in itself.
0: Um, it's actually less of a cryptid and more of just, like, a German, like, poor man too. Oh,
1: it's a cool, it's a large venomous snake found in Africa. Oh, okay. It's a tree yeah. snake.
0: Basically. Um, so it's from this auspicious naturalist we got our first description of the creature that we come known as Mokile Membe. Now, not named at this point. I want to remind you, it's not named. Because the next bit is going to blow your mind that they didn't have a name for it yet. So, in addition to Carl's description, one of his supposed sources, Hans Schomberg, saw that there was a lack of hippopotami at Lake B. Bangwelu in modern-day Zambia. Reportedly, his guide claimed there was a large hippo-killing creature in the lake, although Hans didn't fully believe him. And I kind of side with Hans a little bit.
1: I wouldn't side with Hans. I would think the uh, more likely explanation for a lack of hippopotami in a zoo is because they're, or in any area, is because they're fucking hippo.
0: Yeah, so like, the reason I kind of believe his lack of belief is because like he's a big—I'm pretty sure he was like effectively a big game hunter at the time. Yeah, like so, hu- like
1: hunting. And am I wrong in thinking that hippos are, are like moving water more than lakes? Are they more like a river than a?
0: They're they're like everywhere. Or
1: are they everywhere? Like, oh,
0: yeah. They're they're also like super violent and probably way scarier than Mokele Mbembe.
1: Oh yeah, like as described.
0: Uh, kill more um,
1: people than uh, the crocagators. Crocodiles. Yeah, it's yeah.
0: it's a serious thing. They're they're fucking vicious. Hippos aren't cute. They're murder machines. <laughs> they are just, just to murder. Let you know.
1: What they're just water murder elephants.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, so regardless of whether that was true or not, public consciousness was captured by the potential existence of the yet unnamed Mokita Membe. And now Brandon I want to remind you, I read you everything that the public had on Mokile Membe from 1909 to 1911. Yes. That is everything. That is everything that was reported on it for three years, two years, nearly three years. But people lost their fucking minds over the thing. (laughs) They fucking loved it. They ate that shit right up because people love brontosauruses and they fucking love dinosaurs. Why do you think there's been like four? There's been three pa- Power Rangers seasons that have dinosaurs. No, four, four Power Rangers seasons that have dinosaurs, dinosaurs
1: because dinosaurs are cool. People
0: Fucking love dinosaurs. Full stop. Right? Like, yeah. that's just it. People fucking love. There's cool. Things.
1: They're in all the movies.
0: Yeah, everyone loves dinosaurs. There's a reason why Jurassic Park is so loved. And not just because it has phenomenal cinematography, a really amazing application of 3D CGI merged with practical effects. It's got fucking dinosaurs. And Chris Pratt. I'm not talking about that one. Okay. I'm talking about the one where Newman dies.
1: Uh, Also a good movie because Newman dies.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes.
1: Why do people like dinosaurs? Um, Because they kill Newman.
0: mm -hmm. And lawyers.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, So, in fact, it wasn't until a diary entry in 1911 from Lieutenant Paul Gratz that more information on the creature surfaced. And, Brandon, I don't even know if this was made public in the early 1900s. So, hooray! I have no idea when this reached public consciousness. (laughs) The crocodile is found... Only in very isolated specimens in Lake Bangaloo, except in the mouths of the large rivers at the north, in the swamp lives the sanga, much feared by the natives, De- a degenerate saurian which one might confuse with the crocodile were it not that it has skin with no scales and its toes are armed with claws, which I'm pretty sure crocodiles have claws on their toes. Yes, I did not succeed in shooting an asanga, but on the island of Mala. M- Blah blah. I, I'm sorry. I don't. I'm really bad at pronunciation. Which, if you've listened to this podcast at all, you know. Um, I came by some strips of its skin. Um, so there's slightly more meat on the bones of the description. However, it's incredibly lacking still, and it more or less matches with pulp descriptions of the Brontosaurus, but only superficially. Um, I want to point out again, like the depictions of Brontosaurus that everyone was familiar with are totally fucking wrong. If you're... Imagine Brontosaurus in your head. Imagine imagine an Apatosaurus in your head. You're probably wrong. Whatever you're thinking (laughs) of right now, probably not what it looked like. Almost guaranteed, folks. Yeah, Um, a
1: lot of uh, artistic license back in the day. Yeah,
0: like, almost guaranteed that's not what that creature looked like. Like, pretty much, like, I can almost... I don't like doing 100% like facts. But I'm pretty close to 100% that it's not what it looked like. <laughs> people were paid to come up imagine what they looked like. And like they weren't they weren't necessarily scientists. It was newspaper paper people. People who were trying to sell yellow journalism. Get butts in seats to pay that 10 cents to read that article and see that picture. So, yeah. It should be noted that Lieutenant Paul Gratz had been seeking to discover a new species as well on his journey. Um, So he might have been primed to just believe anything people said. Yeah. uh, For the sake of finding anything. Also, in the book, uh, there's this wonderful gem. The book that I found this in, um, which was... Uh give me a second. I'm trying to remember what the name of the book was. The Great North The Great Road North, which is like I think it was a story about him. Um which is also part of the reason why I literally don't know when people found out about this book, like like this diary entry because it could have been like way after the fact cuz like diary entries aren't always released to the public.
1: Yeah. Obviously. Cuz it's a diary.
0: Um, yeah. So this wonderful gem immediately follows the section that I read. Great spent three months in the Banguelu region. He carried a supply of artificial eyes, which enabled him to pose as a magician. Many, many a one-eyed African received a new eye from Gates. Greats.
1: Like actual eyes, like glass eyes.
0: I'm assuming. Yes, that's what it means. If I'm reading that correctly.
1: And why are there so many people with only one eye?
0: I mean, that just happens. Like that—that that just happens to people.
1: Like, what I'm kind sure of fucking happened. magician are they? I'm just confused. Like, it was a puzzle, but eyeballs. Yeah, I I don't That's know. It was fu- it's weird. It's
0: weird. It's weird. It's, yeah. weird. it's weird. It's weird. It's weird. It's weird. Um, I mean, also, like, we're talking about early 1900s, so like. Um, there's probably less of a chance that there's techniques for saving an eyeball. Uh, yeah, like like we also have to acknowledge that the the 20th century had a lot of medical advances in it, like a lot, lot. Um, like at the start of the 20th century, we weren't that far away from bloodletting, folks.
1: Yeah, do we? I think we. St- well, some weirdos still do bl- the well, bloodletting.
0: Bloodletting. Bloodletting. I think has. Certain uses, like very, very, but like it's very narrow.
1: It's only good if your humans or humors are off balance.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it has. Mm-hmm. There, there is. Uh, a second. There's, I... there's a few infections that still use it. Really? Yeah. Uh, polycythemia, well, it's different. It's not just like cutting someone or whatever. It's probably closer to like...
1: Like dialysis, like, re- like removal, yeah, filtration. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: so polycythemia is an increase in the number of red blood cells in the body, which causes the blood to be thicker. So it's it's literally like cleaning red blood cells out. It's not the same. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. It's not like they're just slitting people's wrists to let blood out for the sake of doing it. It's like if there's a legitimate blood condition that the blood needs to be removed for some reason. Um cuz like I'm looking at all these and all these are are all the ones, yeah, iron overload. They're all relating to diseases of uh of the blood pretty much. Yeah. So it's not just like for what ails you. It's for yeah. like this is a very specific treatment for this very specific problem that is very specific to the blood. Um, how did we get here? Because I was talking about medical advances, and we were talking about a, a fucking guy who was handing out eyes like he's fucking Johnny Appleseed of the eyeball. What's up? What? I feel like you're. Lo- I, I, you just, you just oh, kind of went silent. So oh, I, like I, 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 I was up.
1: populating the spreadsheet. <laughs> I was making sure I didn't forget to populate that spreadsheet. The eyeball spreadsheet? The eyeball spreadsheet.
0: Mm-hmm. We have to track those eyeballs. So, Mokila Membe was finally named in the next popular account of the creature made by Ludwig Feuer von Stein zu Lausens. I think that's pretty much right. I'd
1: call that close enough.
0: Um, he doesn't have an he doesn't have an English Wikipedia article by the way. I found that out. There's.
1: I also um, found that German Wikipedia is better as long as you can find English versions. A lot. There's a lot more information than the uh, English uh, Wikipedia.
0: So I'm gonna. I'm gonna counter you on that. Um, more information isn't necessarily better because I got a fucking thing I found. Oh no! Watch reading this, re- studying like researching this whole thing. So, before that, let's finish the, this part. Um, so, he was a German captain who was ordered to conduct a survey of the German colonies in modern-day Cameroon, 1913. Von Stein was said to have aggregated stories about a large reptile named Mokila-Membe that lived in the jungles of Cameroon. Although his initial report was reportedly carefully worded, Von Stein appears to have found the stories credible. He trusted the guides who recounted the stories to him and found similarity between independent sources' stories. The following is supposedly a reproduction from von Sein's formerly unpublished source from Wha- Willie Lay's Exotic Animals released in 1959. The animal is said to be of a brownish-gray color with smooth skin. Its size is approximately that of an elephant, at least that of an hippopotamus. It is said to have a very long, very flexible neck. And only one tooth, but a very long one. Some say it is a horn. A few spoke about the long, muscular, like tail, like that of an alligator. Canoes coming near it are said to be doomed. The animal is said to attack the vessels at once and kill the crews without eat, but without eating the bodies. Um, so it's just a murder beast, like a cat. Uh, it's a giant cat, is what we're saying. Um, the creature is said to live in the caves that have been washed out by the river in the clay of the, of its shores that sharp bends. It is said to climb the shores, even at daytime in search of food. It is its diet is said to be entirely vegetable. This feature disagrees with a possible explanation as a myth. The preferred plant was shown to me. It is a kind of Liliana with large white blossoms with a milky sap and apple-like fruits at the Sombo river. I was shown a path said to have been made by the animal in order to get at its food. The path was fresh, and there were plants of the described type nearby, but since there were too many tracks of elephants, hippos, and other large mammals, it was impossible to make out a particular spore with any amount of certainty. So, this is the most specific description of Membe, and the first one that actually names it. Um, I took this from a archive.org reproduction scan of Willie lay's exotic animals the 1959 edition um, so theoretically it was published yeah
1: I love archive.org they're doing the good stuff
0: um no archive.org is really important for this episode because it, it gave me a lot of primary sources to look at which this is not a primary source by the way this is this is a secondary source that's aggregating a primary source theoretically so without a doubt as i said this is the most specific de- description of the creature to date in the story as it describes not only its appearance but its diet and behavior which um zoologically speaking is super important yeah. um because now we can actually start to make like assessments of the creature, which I'm not doing in this episode because I got derailed in a few a few sentences. Um, interestingly, and importantly, Cameroon is quite a ways away from Lake Bangweulu. In fact, literally on the other side of the basin away. Oh. <laughs> you know the 3.7 million square kilometers.
1: Yeah. Oh, geez.
0: Literal opposite side. It's a bit of a trek. Yeah. So um, either this thing is like all over the Congo River Basin or something's not adding up. Um, and people live in the Congo River Basin. I know there's a lot of undisturbed rainforest, but like people live there. Right. Yeah. Modern day people live there. Uh, so um. also Willie Lay's book, super problematic in its own right. Mm-hmm um it was not peer reviewed in any way shape or form effectively and it's super su- pseudoscientific so like everything i just read take that with a grain of salt and also recognize that that report may not have been released until 1959 ish <laughs> so mokila membe uh was not named officially until then effectively and and not only that brandon it's like a footnote inside of a story about Ishtar Gate, which is its own episode that I forgot entirely about Ishtar Gate. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. Brandon, this story's fucking wild and so confusing to me.
1: Sounds like it's got Um, a lot of branches.
0: It does. The thing that's most confusing about it to me is, like, I thought that Mokila Membe was, like, this big, like, stand on its own cryptid. But really, it's one of those cryptids that, like, shoots off of a bunch of other cryptids and, like, yeah. is told in passing and, like, fragmentary, um, which is kind of different than a lot of, like, historic cryptids. Because usually usually stuff like Loch Ness Monster stands on its own. It's its own story. It's it's discreet from other things. Mokile Membe is mixed in with a bunch of other shit, right? Um, and it's usually not the focus of whatever is happening. Um, like, for example, the the first appearance of it is a footnote in a book about the dude's life. It's his memoir, right? Um, he didn't release that to the public. It wasn't, like, a news article or anything. He just mentions it offhandly. And then, like, media takes it and runs with it, and people love it, and, like, it's a whole thing, right? And then, like, this story is a subsection of a larger story about an actually historical thing, Right? Um, but people, of course, take actual historic things and ascribe additional meaning to them, which Ishtar Gate is definitely one of those things, <laughs> which is a Sumerian, a piece of Sumerian art, if my memory is correct. Um, it's been a while since I read up on it. Uh, something about depictions of dragons or what have you, and people think, oh, well, they, sh- they, they painted it, so it must oh, be is real. Oh, that what that's from? I was
1: trying to if, remember what Ishtar Gate was.
0: Yeah, I think think that's the case so like um uh so like that's but that's like a super a super common trend oh yeah like people yeah it's it's actually really it's beautiful it's a beautiful 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 and it's in it's it's in babylon i was wrong um it's gorgeous it's a it's it's like this blue like navy blue with like gold filigree and inlays and ugh. it's it's a wonderful piece of uh BC like pre Christian Christianity art, and it's just truly beautiful to look at. Um But beside the point. It, it it's also Mesopotamian. I was so far off. Actually not really that far off, but I was off. Um But anywho, so this is like, Brandon, this is how frazzled I am by this episode. I can't keep a straight thought on it because like there's so much like intertwined in this particular story. And that's why I'm so insane right now. And Brandon, I picked the worst fucking time to do this episode because I've got so much shit I need to get done still. <laughs> and, like, this manic energy is now consuming me. Um, so, in 1927, Alfred Aloysius Smith, an ivory trader, released a memoir in which he described two creatures, Jagonini and Amali. In his account, he had encountered stories of them in his travels in the 1800s. I, am behind the Cameroon, there's things living we know nothing about. I could uh, made books about many things. The Jagonini, they say, is still in the swamps and rivers. Giant diver, it means. Comes out of the water and devours people. Old men will tell you it's what their grandfather saw, but they still believe it's there. Same as the Amali, I've always taken it to be. I've seen the Amali's footprint. About the, good, about the size of a good frying pan in circumference and three claws instead of five. I don't know why three claws instead of five is a thing. Oh, no, never mind. Three-toed things are, like, a super common, like, motif in cryptid sightings and stuff like that. So, never mind. Never mind. Um, I answered my own question.
1: <laughs> Encryptids and sloths.
0: Yes. Yes. Or two-toes for sloths. Remember that. Yeah. They exist, too. Um, so, at this point, I began to lose hope, Brandon, while I was writing the story because I have no idea what the fuck is going on still. There's very little connected fiber between all these things. Like, they're only similar... Like, most of these are only similar in the fact that they are describing a reptilian creature that is in the same region. Yeah. And sometimes it's sauropod-ish. Other times, it's barely described. But, Brandon... Yes? This is all a part of the canon of Mokile Membe. (laughs) This is the canon. What I'm telling you is the canon. Yeah. Right? So, um, I have made a choice in doing this episode. And, like, many episodes before this, I use credulous sources to tell the story. Right? Because credulous sources are more or less the canon that people who believe in this believe. Right? Um, people who are willing to believe have their story they have their narrative that's important because that's what they view as proof of what's happening right and then we as people who are reading and like you know there is a part of me that hopes that a cryptid's real right like a like a mythical supernatural being is real because that's kind of a little fun right yeah there's there's a bit of fun in that but but brandon it's also important to review your sources and review what's going on, so brandon
1: <laughs>
0: what I'm about to what I'm about to talk to you about was what I thought was just going to lead me into like going into the modern era, yeah, but it doesn't
1: ooh, tasty
0: so. Before the cryptozoologist arrived on the scene, there was at least one more instance in which the creature was supposedly alluded to. Now, I'm saying this from the credulous source perspective. Okay? Just keep that in mind. Yeah. All that I'm about to read to you, this is what what is believed by people who believe in Mokilebebe. In 1919 to 1920, the Smithsonian Institute sought to document life in the interior of Africa, as the story goes, a 32-man expedition set out in 1919 to gather flora and fauna specimens as well as record the film of living creatures. The story, according to the DailyJournalist.com, Journalist, which I'm calling out specifically because this is the thing that I was using as my uh, guide to navigate this story and like find things to explore and d- dive down, is as follows. According to cryptozoologists Lauren Coleman and Patrick Hugh, authors of The Field Guide to Lake Monsters, Africans' guides found large unexplained tracks along the bank of a river and later in a swamp. The team heard mysterious roars which had no resemblance with any known animal. However, the expedition was to end in tragedy. During a train ride through flooded, a flooded area where an entire tribe was said to have seen the dinosaur, the locomotive suddenly derailed and turned over. Four team members were crushed to death under the cars, and another half dozen seriously injured. The expedition was documented in the Homer L. Chance papers. Okay. So, how familiar are you with the Smithsonian Institute?
1: I am not. Is that different than like the? Is is this an instance where someone is? Using the name of a well-known place in order to so the, give credibility to their own woo-woo shit.
0: So the Smithsonian is like a legit ass science organization. That's
1: well, I know what the Smithsonian centered, is, but is yes, that that's, different than the Smithsonian Institute? No, no,
0: that's 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 like the Smithsonian the same. Institute is a part of that giant umbrella, right? So, Brandon. Yes. The Smithsonian Institute is actual science. And what does actual science do? Takes a fuck ton of notes. Yep. So, this is a fairly serious story of true.
1: Yeah, like a whole train flipped over and people died. that,
0: That and not only that, but like this would be recorded if they heard monstrous screams or whatever. Yeah. It would be a big fucking deal. The story. So, as I said before, up till this point, I've been using the Daily Journalist article as a rough timeline, seeking primary sources when possible. So, I um, type into Google Smithsonian Institute 1919 to 1920 Africa. It yielded a history of the expedition to the Smithsonian Archives, right? On the Smithsonian Archives. Um, so, this article that I was basing it off of was from four years ago, which is 2017, right? Pretty sure that this article was available on the Smithsonian Institute at that time, whatever. So it did yield a history of the expedition um, on the Smithsonian archives. Superficially, there are some similarities to the expedition described in the article. So this there, there was, in fact, an expedition that lasted from 2019, uh, not 2019, 1919, to 1920 that existed there's incontrovertible fact that, that was a thing okay um the objective of the smithsonian universal film manufacturing company african expedition was to secure additional specimens of plants and animals primarily from the interior of africa as well as south africa it began on july 16th 1919 and ended july 14th 1920 so real as shit right um Smithsonian Archive has it. I'm I'm inclined to believe that this actually happened.
1: Yeah, that there right? was that an this expedition. Is,
0: this is in their records. I'm inclined to believe this actually happened. So no major red flags yet, right? Um, for the most part, the description matches. Although there's no description of the number of members, but it looked like it was not 32. So I was starting to get a little bit, you know, whatever. Um, however. They have a description of the incident involving the train.
1: Oh, oh, good. I'm sure it's highly similar to what was reported.
0: During the expedition, there was a railroad incident in which two members of the expedition died. Joseph Armstrong, business director, and William Stowell, cinematographer and director. Immediately afterward, the institution institution received conflicting accounts about which two members died. Um, But ultimately, it was those two people, right? So, so two people died.
1: Is that where the four people come from in the original article is that they were two different conflicting and they just said instead of two, like they just got four? No?
0: No. No, that's not where it came from. Um, uh, so that's that's a hole forming in the, 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 the Daily Journal article. Um, the number of deaths has changed. Um, and uh, I found a pretty – so – Wikipedia has its faults, but there is one really good thing about Wikipedia. People love to fucking talk in the talk thread when an article is bad.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Like, a lot. And the Mokila Membe article is terrible. It is one of the worst articles on Wikipedia I've ever seen. Full stop. Um, like, the citation of the... the the uh, Willie Lay book was not even valid. I actually updated the citation so it was pointing to a real archive.org thing so, like, people could actually see that it was written somewhere. I yeah. don't necessarily think that it should be used as a source because I think Willie Lay might have juiced things a little bit, but that's a whole nother discussion that isn't even remotely related to all the shit I'm about to go over. So, the number... So in the Wikipedia talk article, which has a whole section about this particular story. Oh, does
1: it? Good.
0: Somebody, somebody, by the grace of whatever skeptical god exists, took this story and piece by piece broke it down. Okay? <laughs> uh-huh. So, um, and I want to say super thank you to Tron Villain, who is the Wikipedia user who collated all of this insane information. Um, So they had a New York Tribune article linked because they have a a subscription to newspapers.org, which I don't have. So thank you once again. I'm so grateful to people who have like actual things sharing like clippings and stuff like that because like those types of people are the real champs in terms of research for stuff like this because quite frankly, we can't do real research for this podcast, right? Like, I've said that before, I'll say it again, we're doing surface-level research. We're not doing true, um, like, ethnography or what have you, right? We're doing, like, just broad introductions to the topics, digging in a little bit here and there. Um, So, the article itself was from Monday, December 8th, 1919, and it was titled, Explorers Killed and Crashed. It turns out it wasn't nearly as salacious. So, in the story that was published by the Daily Journal, um, the train derailed. Right. Yeah. It's not what fucking happened, Brandon. They were stopped. The train was stopped. And a water truck collided with one of the the one of the cars, killing oh. two people and seriously injuring one. That's all that. Like that's that's shitty. Not great but that's like not a derailment. That's like, different. Yeah. That's so different in every way shape and form. Like that's a car accident. Um whoever wrote the article or this passage at least punched it up significantly um to insinuate a connection to Michaela Membe because they also added the in flooded areas where people, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Like, there's no reason to add that whole subsection. And this is, I'm, I'm kind of tearing this apart just to kind of like highlight how terrible things can be and why you shouldn't necessarily believe everything you read. Um, because a lot of the times people punch shit up for the sake of selling papers. Or books Or magazines Or whatever the fuck they're selling Because Salacious sells
1: Yeah that's the whole point of a book that's or a magazine it. Is to that's sell That's
0: it. Yeah um, Like I mean even I right now Am like making this a bigger deal Than it probably should have But it's more because I, I reached this point Where I was doing the story and I found this And I just got really fucking pissed <laughs> That this is a whole thing And I just said Bucket, I'm finishing this episode out by doing a rabbit hole on this. So, Homer L. Shantz is actually a real member of the expedition team, Brandon. Okay. And a botanist who did have a report. He has letters, reports, uh, telegrams, all that shit. I found the thing once again, thanks to Villain, who (coughs) posted a link to a University of Arizona archive that has a PDF of his records Shit <laughs> I'm getting a little too heated Um because the transformer Just fell on me Uh so The problem Is The source Of like the, the exact Point where that happens Yeah There's almost fucking nothing on it Like like in terms of like even remotely close to Anything cryptid wise November 29th, 1919 Collected plants in the morning Mostly for seed Several orchids Of which I collected the bulbs After a long, tiresome tramp Returned to the camp around 1pm Found the following telegram From Theory at Elizabeth Addressed to Chance at Koff Railroad wreck Congo Stop Armstrong Stowell Both killed Stop Other all right Stop Have cabled Barker for instruction And wired Heller Stop You cannot help by abandoning your trip. Stop. Suggest you wait further. Why wait further wire from myself? Stop burying Armstrong today. Stop Stowell tomorrow. Armstrong is business manager and Stowell director of movies. So two heads are removed at once. We knew no details of the work has cast gloom over whole endeavor. That is is exactly what a fucking scientist would write in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I should also point out, that's November 29th. Brandon. Yeah. The expedition ended July 14th? Yeah. That's nowhere near the end of the expedition. The expedition didn't end because people died. It kept going because there were still scientists. Yeah. They just lost the director and the fucking business manager. Yeah. So everything about... like There's two kernels of truth in that whole article. That whole passage. Two kernels of truth. And they made it out to be so much more than it was. Or maybe I made it out to be so much more than it was. I don't fucking know. (laughs) I don't know. It's definitely one of them. One of those is true. I mean, I... My main problem, right, is, like, that's, whenever you deal with someone's, like, whenever you interject someone dying into a story, um, you're doing it for a reason, right? Yes. Um, if you're, you could be reporting just for the sake of reporting, or something along those lines, but, like, let's be real, uh, whoever wrote this article was not doing it to report on it. Right? Um... They were not doing this for the sake of providing information. They were taking kernels of truth and then telling lies about them. Because that's yeah. all it is.
1: Because it's an expedition where people die, So like, let's make it juicy.
0: Yes. So like um, I have a really big problem with people lying. And, and maybe this is part of the reason why I freaked out over this so much. <laughs> I have a problem with people lying about how people died why people died and what happened when people died because to me that erases the life that was lived by that person um which is a bigger deal to me than anything else because uh there's that whole notion of two deaths right Mm -hmm. there's the first time you die physically and then the last time you die uh in the minds of people The last time your name is ever uttered anyone ever thinks about you or whatever. Um, It's a philosophical thing. It's, it's, it's something that stuck with me pretty hard. And like, I don't like the idea of people being used for, as a puppet for an agenda or a story. Um, Really, really does not resonate with me. I don't, I'm also one of those people who doesn't believe in, Like speaking, not speaking ill of the dead, because you know, for whatever reason, because that also kind of kills that person in its own right. Mm -hmm. Um, and like this is this is something that I philosophically thought about a lot in my life, (laughs) and part of that is because of Code of Honor, the Beast Wars episode. Oh Um, lord! Because of because of Dinobot in his quote at the end of that, and like, um, he's pretty great. Uh, I love Dinobot, and I hate the fact that so much of my philosophy is, is, like, couched in Transformers, but fucking, (laughs) you know what? Fuck it. Um, So, like, in that episode, the final uh, thing that Dinobot said is, uh, Tell my tale to those who ask. Tell it truly, the ill deeds along with the good. And let me be judged accordingly. The rest is silence. And that's something that's very important to me. Truth is important to me, right? Uh, I don't believe in twisting the truth. And this is a very long thing for me to say. I got really (laughs) mad because this is a lie. But Brandon. Mm Mm-hmm. They also lied about Lauren Coleman's quote. (laughs) And he's somebody who is credulous of all of this. Yeah. Because what Lauren Coleman actually said. Then in 1920, the Smithsonian Institute sent a 32-man expedition to Africa, which found unexplained tracks along the riverbed and heard mysterious roars. So, yeah, the substance is similar, but it's also completely different. And that's also a faulty number, as I mentioned before. Yeah. So I have no idea where Lauren Coleman got that number because um, I also didn't. So I got I got the section of the book that had that quote in it, but I didn't get the rest of the book. So mm-hmm. like I don't know if he has any citations or anything like that. I doubt it. I doubt it, too. Um but that is also a faulty account in its own right. Because the number is wrong. And not only that, but there's another newspaper article from 1920 that denies that the expedition had anything to do with Brontosauri. Yeah. Whatsoever. Because apparently this was a thing that was spreading around the time, like a, a legend, an, or like a, a myth, which is fucking insane to me but Brandon this is still a key component in the lore of Mokile Membele and like I doubt the veracity of anything that we've read up until this point because of this (laughs) the only thing Brandon that I know for a fact happened at the time that it was said to have happened was the 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 line and passage written by Carl. Carl yeah. Heckenbeck or whatever. Heckbeck? Henbeck? Whatever. Hey. That dude that Carl fucking something. racist asshole. That racist asshole. That's the only part of this story that I know actually happened when they said it happened. Brandon. <laughs> Literally the only part of the story. And it fucking threw me for a loop. So, Brandon. Yes. I wasn't expecting the Daily Journalist to be a font of truth for this particular story. Oh, I no. Using it. I was not expecting it. I mean, the fucking article didn't even have an author. So, yeah. I just assumed that this was one of those, like, oh, we copy and pasted this from somewhere, blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah. I just generally, like I said, I generally use these type of, like, listicle type things as mm-hmm. jumping off points and move from there. Um, and, like, my general philosophy when writing episodes is I don't start with the mask off typically because yeah. the fun is finding out that it was actually, so, you know, it's old man Jenkins at the start of the yeah, episode, you got to Scooby do it, but you gotta, you, you don't have an episode. If you just say it's, it's him in the yeah. beginning of the episode, right? You gotta have at least a few chases through hallways. Yeah. So and the article itself is like a memetic piece of text for cryptozoology. Like, it's a very common trend. Like we've talked Mm -hmm. about it before on this podcast where like you have something written somewhere and then it's copy and pasted everywhere. Yes. Um, and this is basically that. So I did a little digging. Okay. And by little digging, a lot of digging,
1: Oh, I found
0: out where the article originally was written. And I found out the day that it was... I found that where this particular passage was written. Yes. And that was October 1st, 2007. Oh, good. And it was written by Wikipedia user Patrick1982. I did a cursory grants of him. Nothing seems wrong with him. I have no fucking idea where he got his sources because he didn't cite anything. He did a lot of work on the, the Mokila Membe story, though. That's all I know. It doesn't even, but the other thing too is it doesn't have the H.L. Shanks bit in it either yet. Yeah. So that got added at a later date. So this originated as a snippet from a Wikipedia article, which then ended up on Gutenberg Free Press, which then ended up on the Daily Journalist. So this is a piece of story that has no originating source. Yeah. I don't know where it fucking came from clearly there was people talking about them looking for brontosauruses yeah right but like I don't know where the whole addition of them hearing the cry or having the crash be associated with it at all came yeah. from like literally no clue that is lost to history as far as I, I can tell and I'm not looking through a hundred thousand newspaper articles from 1920 because you know 1920 is a fucking mess Mm -hmm. but Brandon before I end this episode yes I want to talk about the the daily journalist
1: all right spill the tea
0: please don't visit the site people just please don't it's terrible it's a bad website it's bad it's just terrible it's not fact-checked in any way and really it's kind of like the eight chan of news reporting but they if you wanted n- to
1: visit it we did provide a link at the bottom of this episode <laughs> we did but please don't please please for the don't, love click God, don't, that. Don't, don't click on it don't click on don't, it don't click that
0: link please don't click that link and i'm going to quote what their view is towards journalism
1: oh shit all right
0: the daily journalist exposes the truth without censorship or manipulative motives to justify a belief interest or faith. Journalism should be free for all, without skew, not leading towards any tendency or creed that would harm the reputation of information. So it's very um it's very WikiLeaks esque in description.
1: Yeah.
0: Um but given the fact that they allow nine eleven truthers and alt right folks to spread their missives on the site, uh they're basically a less successful Fox News or Breitbart, in my Yeah. Opinion. Um, the whole website feels like a scan. Uh, and to my knowledge, it runs no ads. I turned off my ad block to see. No fucking ads, Brandon. Huh. I have literally no fucking clue how it keeps the lights on. Like, Brandon, I don't know. I feel like there's something going on underneath the surface. Because yeah. then... Because then I looked up uh, the person who runs the site.
1: Oh, that's exactly who... what I was typing into Snapchat yes. to figure that out. Okay.
0: So I looked up. So basically I went into their contact and like about us page because I was yeah. like, I need to fucking know who's responsible for the site. Because like the article that I was using was under a section called the historian. Yeah. And then it was published by no one four years ago, March 17th, 2017 at one something a.m which is indicating that it's probably a European uh, IP or address posting this thing. Um, whatever. Right? Yes. So, the person who runs the site, its name is Jamie Enoch Ortega.
1: Oh, God. Okay.
0: Okay. Um, so... I did a little digging, not a lot of digging. Cause at this point I was like, my brain was like, mm-hmm. I need to stop. I need to get out of this fucking rabbit hole. Right. And I found his LinkedIn. Okay. And <sighs> he says he has a degree from Ohio state university. I didn't check because I didn't feel like checking in any way, shape or form. His tagline on LinkedIn is president for the Daily Journalist's top three largest community of experts online. The Daily Journalist was established nine years ago by James Enoch Ortega. He has no other work listed on his, his, uh, uh, his LinkedIn. His About section reads like a bot wrote it. Um, welcome to the officially since Feb... 2014 world's largest community of top flight experts and growing every day larger the daily journalist the birthplace of neo-journalism which neo-journalism is a concept that existed in the 1960s he is not the that is not the birthplace of neo-journalism journalism yeah. has a history and if he was a fucking journalist he'd know that history <laughs> uh-huh think Thoughts, mind, knowledge, wisdom, research, comparing data, 360 view, time, hard analysis, expose, unbiased, exposure, neutrality. Um, Then it has a bunch of other shit. Uh, And then there's some articles that he's written on LinkedIn. They're all from 2016. He hasn't written anything since as far as I can tell. Okay. Hillary Clinton is faker than online news. Election will never be the same again. The hypocrisy of Hillary Clinton leads to civil war. Rants, outcomes, and Donald Trump predictions. <coughs> so he worked for a company called The Lantern, which is somewhere uh, I don't know what that is. Um, it's the Ohio State University. Oh, I think newspaper. It's the Ohio State University. Yeah, it's the Ohio State University paper. He worked as an investigative journalist. And something else, right? So um, he has a link. So he is, this person is, in fact, a real human being, right? Yeah. They have no articles on the Lantern, so uh, apparently the Lantern expunged them in yeah. some way, if they ever did, Um, which I just realized, I think I'm viewing him with my actual LinkedIn profile, which makes me upset. <laughs> um, so this dude is fucking insane in my opinion and the about info on his site claims award winner Ohio State
1: yeah wow. I'm, I'm, I'm also going around through his LinkedIn's and everything's
0: Brandon so Brandon, much fun what does that mean what does that mean nothing it, I have no idea and now Brandon if you think that this has nothing to do with Makila Membe, you'd be fucking wrong because Brandon <laughs> I found his fucking Quora profile oh my
1: John we're doing the exact same reason. I literally just the whole time you're talk every time I, I do something you ah. Uh, I just I found, opened his Quora
0: I found his fucking
1: Quora profile. also that fucking profile picture do you see that profile picture
0: yes yes and you know what i'm sorry if this is punching down this dude deserves to be punched down in my yeah. opinion he's a prick i know for a fact that this dude's a prick because i have re- read read how he writes and he talks to people he's yeah douchebag so brandon he's a young earth creationist
1: yeah There's just going, reading through his profile and his, his, um, created things is what should we believe? Charles Darwin or the Bible? Do monkeys believe in God? Uh,
0: the, he's answering all these. And I know that this is him. Yeah. Because it says worked at the lantern. Worked at the lantern, Brandon.
1: There's one about the giant of Kandahar. Oh,
0: God. Really? Yeah. I didn't see that one.
1: Yeah. What that? Uh, military personnel who are devoid in Afghanistan. How true is the giant of Kandahar?
0: Oh, God. That's a whole thing. Have we talked about... I think we talked about that on the, uh, the one giant episode we did, right? I Believe think we it. might
1: have mentioned it. I don't think we went deep into it.
0: I don't think we went deep into it. So, Brandon, I'm going to close this episode out with a teaser for next week, basically. Um... So,
1: oh my God! I'm not talking. Oh, all right. So the sorry, the very last paragraph.
0: I let me let me, which one
1: of the giant of Kandahar? Okay, read that.
0: that, I didn't that, read that
1: I'm one. just gonna read the the <laughs> that sentence he does. The Smithsonian is responsible for the suppression of much informa- of much information regarding giant humanoids. So the Smithsonian is part of uh, is trying to suppress information.
0: Brandon, Brandon. I can't prove it, but I think this man was the man who posted that article. Uh, I, wouldn't... I can't prove <sighs> it, but I think he was because this is painting the Mokila Membe as potentially existing because it includes the Smithsonian Institute. And this just adds more evidence to my hypothesis <laughs> that I can't prove. Now, Brandon. Yes. Yes. I'm not going to talk about Mokila Membe anymore on the next episode, really. Okay. Not about what he is, because what Mokila Membe is, is a brontosaur at its core. That's what people believe it is. People believe it's a living dinosaur, right? That's it. They think that it disproves evolution, because if a living dinosaur existed, it disproves evolution. But as people have mentioned, uh, if the described version of Mokila Membe existed, it would in fact prove evolution because it doesn't look like the dinosaur that it's based off of at all. Yeah. So a whole nother fucking thing. That's a whole nother mess of shit because people believe that pop media is reality. But Brandon. Yes. Mokile Membe is really only taken seriously now by young earth creationists. And as I mentioned, Jamie Enoch Ortega which I just named him, but who fucking cares, is a young earth creationist. And I'm gonna answer I'm gonna let you guys like rest on this, think about it, think about how it affects your life, what have you, and just get ready for the next episode of Mokila Membe, in which I talk about young Earth Creationists and why I fucking hate them. And I hate the way that they fucking use pseudoscience to say shit that's not true and then like also weirdly manipulatively use local people for their own aims and this all that white fucking white man's burden shit and all that absolute garbage but Brandon this is what he says about Darwin theory okay which is so this is some random person writing it which that's also stupid in its own thing Um, people who believe Darwin simply reject the notion of accountability and God. Since the European Enlightenment, the idea of God took many forms, which God baffled New Age thinkers. Christianity had to face that question. Evolution is the opium of the atheist. Yet, it is not a law of nature, just a theory with many holes. One way to understand this theory comes in Yonaguni, Japan. The Japanese scientists say It's a man-made structure, but Western scientists say it's a natural formation. Evolution has swallowed other fields of science to subsist. Nonetheless, it is a theory on crisis. Brandon, he said on crisis instead of in crisis. (laughs) He supposedly has a degree in journalism. Yeah. And with that, the episode's done. I have nothing else to say.
1: There's... Also, I just want to point out the time that... At the time, like when the the Darwin's theory of evolution was published, that it was they, it wasn't an anti like it was people viewed it as a way that were like enforced religious beliefs. Like it wasn't something that excluded religion. They were fa- found it as something that kind of goes hand in hand, like paralleled to that belief.
0: I, I also want to point out it has literally fucking nothing to do with the Age of Enlightenment whatsoever. Yeah because that's not the age of enlightenment.
1: I wouldn't accuse him of being a rational man. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, like I said, as I promised, this was a fucking long episode. Yeah.
1: Oh, I just looked over at the timer.
0: So, I'm going to I think it's time to close out the episode. Uh This has been Cryptopedia. Uh, as always you can find our website cryptopediacast.com at cryptopediacast for Twitter and Instagram. Email us cryptopediacast at or us at CryptopediaCast.com. Um if you're mad at anything I said, take it up with me publicly on Twitter. Yeah. Be a man or a woman. <laughs> I
1: was just gonna say I was just gonna give it your Twitter profile as a joke, but okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, no. Fucking bring it. I'll fucking I'll do whatever. I I will. I have no problems arguing on this one whatsoever because you know what doesn't hurt my fucking career I'm a fucking scientist bitches (laughs) (laughs) so fucking bring it I'll go to I'll go to bat for science on this one um we have a patreon and uh want to thank the wonderful people who allow us to do this nonsense Uh, Brandon, can you, uh, can you give them a a thanks for the jackalopes?
1: Yes, we will thank Clay Sinclair, Marty Von Party, Bird Schneider, Jonathan Shepard, and fuck Andrew Jackson.
0: There we go. Uh, we have a Facebook group as well. Um, I haven't done anything with it in a while. I think, I think, uh, uh, Lenwood Lenwood just posted some, uh, articles in there. yeah. 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 So that's, that's always good. Um, if you enjoy the podcast and your chosen plat- your platform allows you to rate, review, or subscribe, please do so. Um, share it with people who you think will enjoy it. Um, maybe not this episode. Maybe this is not a good starter episode for someone. <laughs> we got the Mothman episode. That one's pretty good. The Mothman one was pretty good. Mothman was pretty good. It was pretty. It's a pretty good entry point to the podcast, We're, I think. We've
1: got Man bat, We've got
0: Man Bat's pretty good. Bat Squatch. We did Bat-squatch. a lot of bat-related creatures in a row. Yep. That was a weird one. Um, but yeah, if you have any monster requests or stories that aren't Wendigo or Jersey Devil, please send them in. Um, Wendigo will only happen if I can find somebody who is a part of that cultural tradition to talk about because of problematic issues involving white people in the Wendigo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That I discovered in my, my research because the Wendigo is effectively white people. So have fun with that, I thought. <laughs> um, or at least it's become effectively white people. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, and the Jersey Devil is a work in progress. So, yeah. Nice.
1: Uh, you could find me on Instagram at donkey underscore hands. My website is BoyerB.com. My email is Brandon at com. And if you have any issues with anything I've said and you like to fight with me, you could find me on Twitter at JF Dunham.
0: It's actually at Crypto Brandon, but I mean, fine. Fight with me about Brandon stuff too. I'll do it. <laughs> I'm in a fighting mood right now. This, this, this episode's got me, got me hopping. It's got you. It's got me something. It's got your You know your, what's funny? Yeah. So, originally this episode was supposed to be the Jackalope. Oh, was it? I found all the sources I needed for the Jackalope and like I was ready to write the Jackalope episode and then I clicked on the the folder where I keep all the episodes that are in progress and I saw Mokila Membe and I'm like I want to be angry. <laughs> <laughs> um so if you want to if you want to follow me i'm on instagram at mu 20 2057. i'm on twitter at jf dunham my website is john dunham my email is john at cryptopediacast.com and i also have a toy review show called toy office um i might be posting more content to that soon because i'm gonna have more free time
1: yeah i know uh, you've we'll been see. getting more toys
0: yeah i i have a real serious problem and my house is filled with toys I have, I have all of the Burger King, uh, the McDonald's Beast Wars toys now. Oh, nice. Um, I, got, I finally got Under Three, which is literally just a, uh, a shell that transforms in, by splitting it open, splitting a lion's head open, and there's just a robot there. Okay. Um, it was made for children under three years old. It's kind of got like a vaguely Optimus Prime head. Hmm. I don't know. It's really weird, and I, I adore it. So there's that.
1: Nice. Our art was done by Tom Hill. You could find him on Instagram at Thomas Michael Hill. His website is greatergloryco.com and his email is tommikehill at gmail.com.
0: I wonder if he feels comfortable with us um, calling him out on an episode with this level of manic energy.
1: Maybe. I don't think he has any issue. Plus, if you want some art done, go look up Tom. He does uh, the good stuff.
0: That's true. That's true. He's done a lot of stuff for a lot of like podcasts that I respect a lot. And like yeah. a lot of comedy networks I respect. Yeah. So like fucking awesome on him.
1: Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of really weird. Like to if I'm watching a podcast and then on the bottom, like on YouTube, it'll, they'll show like their shirts and hats and stuff. And I'm like,
0: Oh, it's Tom's stuff. Yeah. It's pretty fucking great. Yeah. I adore it. It's pretty yeah. awesome. Um, Bit on you, Tom. Yeah. Bit on you. Congratulations. Um, as always, I'm John. I'm Brandon. Things are so fucking far past weird at this point, I don't even know what to say.